You either walk inside your story and own it, or you stand outside your story and hustle for your worthiness. Hi, I'm Lisa Riley, and each week we're here to share stories, not just from current or formerly justice-involved individuals, but even those who might be considered underdogs in the game of life, because all of them, yes, all of them are hustling to put their past in the rearview mirror and start anew. And of course, we all know it takes a village of resources and opportunities to carve that new path and prove that failure isn't final. So listen in as we unlock their future and they rewrite their story. This is The Hustler Welcome everyone to this week's The Hustler Files. This week we have here in studio our first guest who is not only a successful entrepreneur, but who himself has been in recovery for over 20 years. And because of that experience, he's also an exclusive fair chance employer. He's a landscape architecture graduate of the University of Massachusetts. He's been awarded by the American Society of Landscape Architects for his design work, and he's been photographed and published throughout New England. Welcome, Craig Stevens, owner of Landscapes Northampton. Thank you. We're so excited to have you today. And you've brought with you into the studio, who we're going to speak with in a little bit, your foreman, Adam, and a couple of your crew. We have Brandon and Mike. That's so. Correct. Welcome to all of you for coming off the job. I can tell our listeners that you have been working this morning because you're all a little dusty and dirty, which is great. And there's nothing wrong with getting your hands dirty. I'm a firm believer in that. So I want to jump in with Craig first. I love his backstory because he's a little bit different than someone who just realized in maybe their teens or 20s that they had a drug and alcohol issue. Craig, walk us through kind of when you started down the recovery road. When did that all happen for you? Uh, it happened when I was 43. I was, um, you know, I worked a lot. I was, you know, I guess successful, you'd say, for quite a long time. And um, I had a lot of good accolades and stuff. But, you know, what was going on internally, you know, was a, was a mess. Um, it looked good on the outside. And then slowly, I, you know, the addiction took over. I was a really late bloomer. In the beginning, I did not like to get drunk. I did not really like to get high. I must say when I found cocaine, that was like the answer. It was like another version of alcohol, but I could control it really well, you know, up, down, up, down. And, uh, but they caught me, you know, in my late 30s is when the addiction really took off and I ended up losing absolutely everything and you know just about myself you know I was you know I'm six foot I'm 190 and I was 147 and I was gray I wasn't even white and my teeth bled without doing anything they just I had cavities missing teeth I, I was really at death's door you know so what do you think saved you um, well, I sort of like just, I just kept running out of options, you know, I, I just burned all my financial bridges, I had built up a company, a house, you know, land, and I basically just traded it all in to get high and drunk in the end. It was just really sad. And I was in the, being in the closet was probably the worst thing. That was a catapult. I just couldn't lie anymore. And so I went to rehab and I, I fortunately had just one relapse, lasted about 48 days. I went back into the program and 
they told me to do recovery as hard as I did my partying, and that's exactly what I did. I just, I dove in with two hands and two feet. So was there one or two people within your recovery program that really stood out for you, or was it sort of a whole village where, you know, because we're going back over 20 years ago, correct? Yeah, yeah. Um, There's people I still know that were in my initial recovery circle. Unfortunately, not a lot. A lot of people didn't stay sober. That's the unfortunate part of this disease. And, you know, many people died. You know, there were nurses and counselors from Beacon House up in uh, in Greenfield in, in the recovery program there. Then I went to a wet shelter, which means that people were using and and, and drinking there. That was in Turner's Falls. Then I came to Northampton and went to a dry shelter for another couple of months. And then I went to Hairston House, which is a um, halfway house here in Northampton, for another four and a half months. And the people there really, really supported me. You know, also the, the director at the time was extraordinary. Phil Rugo, it was his name. He's no longer there, but he helped save my life, really, and the guys there. Did you have outside family support at all? Uh, no, I didn't. My family, you know, they, they love me, but, uh, you know, they were just... My mother was getting older, and she was so glad that I got some help, but she was just a wonderful mother, so she was great support. And my other family member was supportive, but, you know, I wasn't going to, I didn't, I wasn't able to rely on them for, like, a place to stay or money or anything. I had to do everything by myself. (laughs) Well, you had somebody from somewhere else holding you up because uh, it's 20-some years later, and you're sitting here in the studio with us. So... Let's fast forward that you get out of the shelters and the halfway houses and you're restarting your business. And I read an article that said you were using two empty garages in the back of the house. You were gathering materials. You were starting to network. And because you had lost your license from a DUI, you had no car for the six months of recreating the landscape business. So you literally um, had a client meet you at UMass because you had to take the bus to get there? Yeah, that was, uh, I volunteered while I was at the Harrison House. I volunteered at the Center for the Arts. And so I got to know people and people knew my background and stuff. And so yeah, the, the bus, the PBTA was free at that time. So I grabbed a rake and a shovel and I got on the bus and met him at the Fine Arts Center. <laughs> UMass, and uh, that was my first client 21 years ago. Are they still your client? Well, they they are. They moved, but I've had a ton of clients since. It just kept building and building. And right away, I not even thinking about it, I just had all my friends who were in recovery. And so I said, you want a job? You want a job? It started with one guy, then two guys, then three guys, then some women and men. And then people just knew that I had a company that I hired people in recovery. And it was interesting because I didn't know really what I was doing. I mean, there was, wasn't a handbook. I knew no one else that was doing it. I couldn't fire somebody for being you know, if they relapse, because I realize that's part of recovery sometimes. I don't like it, but it is. You know, I relapsed once. Luckily, it was only once. I mean, in the beginning, it was kind of a mess. It was a lot more difficult for me because I kept being way too generous. And what I found is people thrived with discipline and order, as did I. You know, I wanted to be, you know, like a footloose artist or whatever, even in my business. But I found that, you know, getting a good night's sleep, having a good breakfast, getting up at a decent time and working a full day and all that stuff, just building up my health, building up my where I stay, everything
everything I do, I just put 110% into it. And it resonated with a lot of the people that worked for me. We, you know, there's just stories. I get texts and, ooh. So, some, sometimes I, whoa, I didn't see that coming. We have a habit of doing that on this show. Um, <laughs> you know, just people have re- reached reached out to me. Oh, boy. And thanked me for working working for my company. And you know what? I think, God bless you. I, I think I have goosebumps. Um, I think that's a great segue into the conversation about fair chance hiring. And that someone like yourself, it was such a casual kind of normal transition for you to say, gee, you know what, if this is working for me, maybe I can help other people that have been where I have been. And I think that's awesome. And as I mentioned earlier, we have in the studio some of those people that are part of your team. And I want to, like, let's dig in in the second half of the show and, and talk to Adam and Mike and Brandon and hear their stories. So we're going to take a quick break right now. And if you gentlemen can all hang out with us a little bit longer and listeners don't go too far, we'll be right back with this week's The Hustler Files. You became an RN, LPN, mental health clinician, counselor, or recovery professional because you believe in the value of wellness, treatment of disease, and prevention of illness. And that also means that you have the right stuff to join the medical and mental health care team at the Hamden County Sheriff's Office. Making the world a better place takes a village, and even more so with justice-involved individuals. So why not consider dedicating your next career move to changing countless lives for the better? Visit hcsoma.org. That's hcsoma.org to join the team today. Welcome back to this week's The Hustler Files. If you're just joining us, we have here in studio Craig Stevens, owner of Landscapes Northampton, a successful entrepreneur, but also someone who struggled with his addiction and has been in recovery for over 20 years, turning his past into an opportunity for others to make a living wage. So Craig, you brought with you, as we've mentioned earlier, a few of your team. Why don't you introduce each of them to our listeners? This year, we have my foreman, Adam Gagnon. How are you guys doing? He's been with the company two years now and multiple times in the past. And it's unusual. <laughs> I actually knew Adam back when I was using, which might be good or bad, <laughs> if, depending on how you look at it. And then the other two gentlemen I have here are Michael Chamberlain, a resident of Hairston House, where I went to. And uh, he's joined the team for this season, doing a great job. And also Brandon is with us. He's also from Hairston House. And I interviewed the both of them in the spring out of about four people. And these two gentlemen made it. And I'm thrilled that they came for an interview and that they, you know, are working with me because it's just been great. It's been absolutely great. And I've seen them grow and I think they're a great fit and they're doing, you know, they're doing things with for themselves by working this way, you know, so I'm, I'm thrilled. Awesome. Um, and just for a larger visual for our listeners, how many employees do you have at Landscapes? Six full-time and then there's two part-time. They're not finished school and then they'll finish, they'll be full-time during the summer. They're actually high school students, which so a miracle has happened. There's a high school student that wants to work, two of them. Wow, that is a miracle. <laughs> let's stamp this moment. All right, so Adam, let's start with you. You're a foreman. Craig has mentioned that this is not your first stint with him. So give us a little quick background on yourself, where you're from, how you got involved with Craig, why you love working here. All right. So I guess I'd say that 
I I met Craig. We were both using. Uh, he went off and and you know he got himself together. And uh, it took me another twenty years of running and 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 gunning. I've only been sober for about two years. I've worked for him three times in the past, and all of my employment came to an end with relapse. And on this time, I've able to get a little more belief in myself and a little more understanding of, of my addiction and what was bringing me back out. To have a friend who uh, is willing to take a chance on you, even though you have slipped and fallen before, and having somebody there to you know help guide you. Craig has been my sponsor for 10 years in, in the halls of AA, and, and that's something that we visit often. And the opportunity was there, and I, I laid the groundwork and really got in there and committed to my recovery. You know, that's what this is about. And he, we, are very serious about it. Recovery is important to us. We're not skipping meetings. We're not skipping work and waking up late and coming to. We're all coherent. You know, I am kind of have the honor this year. I worked my way up through the ranks last year, and uh, now I'm the foreman, and I'm trying to lead by example and doing the best I can. Did you ever serve any time behind the wall? So, yes, um, more time than I'd like to admit. I would say... In the past 20 years, I have 13 years behind the wall, I'd say. Wow. Probably closer to 14. So how important is that support system of working with other people that have either been behind the wall or are in recovery to what you see as a productive future? Okay, so it's a double-sided coin for me because, one, I know that there are people around me that I can turn to when I've found myself in a situation that is making me think about relapse or bringing me to just a negative mind state. And then the other aspect is I am also there and I am able to help if an addict is struggling. And that's kind of what it's all about, really. It's about taking the accountability for yourself looking out for you and put your recovery first and then help another addict. You can only keep what you have by giving it away. And I, I believe in that very strongly. And that's where we're at here. I love that quote. Say that again. You can only keep what you have by giving it away. I love that. I'm going to write that down. As Oprah would say, that's probably a tweetable moment. <laughs> um, and I might have to use that. So before I move on to, to talk to Mike and, and Brandon, what have you found in yourself as being promoted to foreman? So I was talking to Craig last week about this, is remaining teachable. I want to remember to leave myself room to grow, remain teachable. I don't know everything. I don't need to set my mind that my way is right. There might be another way. There might be a better way. You know, I, I think, you know, self-reflection is going to be key. You know, I've only had two years clean, right? So I'm still pretty fresh in recovery compared to Craig with his 25. But it's not, it's not about measuring up to that. It's about what's the work I'm doing on me? 
Very powerful stuff. Okay, well, thank you, Adam. Thank you for having me. So let's move over to Mike. How are you? I'm good. So give us a little bit of background on you, Mike. I'm 34 years old. I'm from Athol, Massachusetts. I did about five years in the military. I'm in the Marines Station in North Carolina. I got sober. Actually, I'm getting my one-month coin. I'm one-year coin, I'm sorry, in, in just a couple weeks. So Congratulations. Yes, thank you very much. And was it the military service that sort of tipped the scales for you? No, I kind of started dabbling in my addiction in uh, high school. I did a year in college where, you know, that's where the drinking kind of got bad. And then it was just like experimenting before I went in. And I actually went to the Marines to try to change and get sober. And it worked, but I wasn't really fixing any problems. It was just kind of like putting a blanket over it or something. And then um, after the five years and my my tour was over, then um, I kind of just found myself with not like a a career move or anything. And that's when I kind of got more serious into the harder drugs and things took a turn for the worse. How did you end up out here in Western Massachusetts? Um, actually, so I came from Central Mass, I was in Athol, and then I got arrested out there and got transferred to a jail out this way, um, Hampshire County, and I went from their pre-release program into the Harrison House, and I actually, I wanted to come out somewhere a little bit away from where I'm from, just to, you know, get a new experience and, and meet some new people, so. And how long have you been working for Craig? Started working for Craig two and a half months ago. So you're very new? Yes, yes. How are you finding the landscape business? I've done a lot of work before, but this is my first time actually doing a landscape company. And I I really enjoy it, though, honestly. I like learning more about it. And it's good to have people like Adam and and Craig that have done it. And, you know, they're very hands-on teaching us, and I really enjoy it. So are you on probation? Um, I'm not, no. I, I Actually, I was, and, you know... That was a good thing that Craig was so understanding because I had certain hoops I had to jump through, and he made it possible to do that. Um, and that's that's the hard part is trying to find a job and have to explain it to your boss or someone that, you know, I might have to leave to go do something one day. So when that first came up, I was kind of nervous. To be honest, I had to tell him I had to meet my parole officer, and Craig kind of met him with me, and it was, you know, it was... It was cool. Well, yeah, I mean, fair chance hiring is such a huge subject. We've talked about it on other shows, and we'll be talking about it on future shows. It's a lot bigger in the conversation of prison reform these days than it used to be. One of the reasons I wanted to have Craig here was for that reason, was to talk about the the fair chance hiring, because I think it's so, so important. Are you living local? Um, I'm still at the Harrison House. You are? Okay. And... Are you finding there's certain aspects of landscape architecture that you're being drawn to? Is this something you think you want to stay in for a while? Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, I like when, when we can go up somewhere and kind of see like the change of, of what you've done throughout the day. So when you come up and you know something's, I guess, like a mess or just like not perfect, and it, it just feels good to try to make that project that you're working on perfect. And at the end of the day, when you can take a step back and look at what you've done, it just kind of leaves me like some self-gratitude, I guess. And I really enjoy that. Well, like I said earlier, working with your hands, there's something about it. At the end of the day, that self-satisfaction, I think I've probably mulched more beds than I ever care to do again in my life. (laughs) Um, Where are you when you're starting to look ahead? How much longer are you at the Harrison House? The Harrison House is a year, so I've I've been there for about four months, so I have eight months. And 
just the people that I meet, I'm, I'm trying to build like a network out here kind of. So when I, when I first came out, I wasn't sure what I was going to do, but the more I work and, and the more I enjoy this job and the people that I'm, that I'm working with, like Brandon and Adam, I'm kind of like building myself like a life out this way. And I, I think I'm, I'm going to want to stay out here and, and continue doing the landscaping. And I didn't know what I was going to do. I'm not in a rush to, to, to get any answers. Well, I wish you all the best. I am going to come back to each of you in a minute before we, we end the show. But uh, Brandon, last but not least. Yeah, baby. <laughs> okay, so give us a little background on yourself. Yeah, born in Beverly, lived in uh, Salem, Peabody, but like lived most of my life in Northampton. So I'm uh, very used to this town, which kind of makes it a little bit difficult to like live my recovery, like try to like, you know, get my recovery in check because I've made such a fool of myself in this town. I've been kicked out of restaurants, kicked out of bars, you know, kicked out of package stores. And I, I know a lot of people in this town. So let's say I'm leaving the Harrison house to go to a meeting. I'm running into a bunch of people, a bunch of crazy people i know and it's 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 kind of difficult because i'm given the choice to you know just veer off do my own thing go to a meeting or i could go hang out with uncle joe on the corner of the street and drink a 40 you know and that like those things are presented to me on the daily so it does make it difficult like one thing with sobriety is like ppt people places and things and you, you really got to change it up if you want any chance at sobriety i can't really change the place that i'm at the Harrison house is amazing. Like this is, it's perfect. So I can't really change the place. You know, I've lived in Northampton a lot, but I can change the people that I hang out with and I can change the things that I do. And that's what I've been doing so far. Well, the fact that you're so aware of this, is that a good thing or does that sometimes get in the way of the recovery? I, I, I think it helps. And I've always been pretty aware, even in my addiction. Like I, I'm very aware of what I'm doing and I know it's going to end very badly, but I just continue to do it. That's a uh, it's a horrible thing about being addicted to drugs and alcohol is that you know it's not the right thing to do, but it's something, there's that monkey on your shoulder that's just telling you to do it. And how long have you been working for Craig? Um, About the same time that Mike has, like three months or something. Me, me and Mike were in jail together, and then, um, so we met each other in jail, and then when I got to the Harrison house, he came like a week later. Like, so we were down in the minimum together, too, so it was like, we were in the house block, we went down to the minimum, now we're in Harrison house together, we're roommates, we're working the same job. I, I don't think I would have been able to do it by myself. Like, m maybe I could have, but it, it makes it nice, like, having someone there doing it with me as well. It's pretty cool. Well, I'm a believer people come together for specific reasons in life. Sounds to me like the two of you are on a journey together and probably to help each other. So Craig, I'm going to start with you. I'm a believer that we all have life assignments and they can change. But at this point in your life, what do you think your life assignment is? Well, I've tried to get away from it many times. <laughs> with this recovery thing in my company and I you know it was two a couple of years ago I just knew this is what I have to do first of all I can't get anybody else to work <laughs> major point and uh it's just you know they're my people I find it I've found some of the best passionate energetic funny messed up at times but you know it's a full package, just like me, and, and and I'll take it all. So, yeah, I think this, you know, I'm in it for the long haul. That's and awesome. Have, and have been. Okay, Adam, over to you. What do you think your life assignment is or has been or might be? I think my life assignment is to reorganize my life. That's what I think. I think uh, my life assignment is to make sure that this second chance is my second chance. And the only way to do that is to remain focused. Stay sober, spend time with my family, work hard, 
be accountable. Excuse me, Lisa. Yes. It's been his third or fourth time, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. You know what? Sometimes it takes us a really long time to get where we're supposed to go. That's right. You know, that's the, you got to keep trying. That That's the key. You got to keep trying. Absolutely. Mike, what about you? What do you think your life assignment at this point is for you? Um, at this point, um, I didn't mention when I first uh, started talking, but I have uh, two twin boys. So my life assignment would really be to be just the best father I can be to them. Set the example, be a role model, just show them that, you know, even if you fall down, you can get back up and just uh, keep my head up and try to do things for them and for myself. That's awesome. And Brandon, what about you? Uh, almost the same as Mike's. I, I have a kid with special needs and uh, last three years I have not been like in his life, like haven't really been there to help out, haven't been there financially. And like big shout outs to Craig. He's kind of given me that opportunity to make some money and actually do something with myself so I can financially be there for my kid and have a car, have an apartment. Wow, that sounds like a great plan and a great life assignment. And I have a feeling with all of you that you're, except maybe Craig, that your life assignments might change as you get older. But we're out of time. So thank you to all of you for joining us here today on The Hustler Files, because I know you're all hustling to do the right thing. And we'll be back in a minute to wrap up this week. Don't touch that dial. There's more to come. Ever thought of being a correctional officer, but not sure you'd qualify? Listen up. Be at least 19 with no age cap. Already a social worker? Social workers make great COs. No previous experience? That's okay. We'll train you. Full-time positions come with excellent health, dental, and life insurance, a pension, and other benefits of a state job. If you believe people can overcome the worst chapters in their life, then you've got the right stuff to be a correctional officer with the Hamden County Sheriff's Office. Visit hcsoma.org to join the team today. And we are back. Thank you again to Craig and Adam and Mike and Brandon for being so courageous and sharing their stories. We hope that this really does activate change for anyone listening that would like to hire people who are looking for fair chances. Today's heartfelt thought comes from Bianca Sparacino, a gentle reminder. At the end of the day, I want to leave this world with a heart that is worn out and tender all over with a heart that aches from loving and feeling and caring in the best way possible. I want to leave this world knowing that I poured love into everything I did, that I crashed my soul into each and every single day, that I tried for something while I was here, that I risked. At the end of the day, I just want to be proud of the way I turned every loss into a lesson, of the way I believed in the light even when I could not see it. At the end of the day, I just want to be proud of the way I connected. I just want to be proud of the person I have become. And that's a wrap for this week. It's the stories and change makers that we share that I hope will release limiting beliefs around incarceration and the stigmas that follow those who re-enter society all with a new lease on life. They don't always achieve, but they try. It is only through storytelling and education that we can activate change. Also, a huge weekly thank you to our guests and advertisers. And you can find the show and all of our shows on the WHMP.com podcast page and also on any of your favorite podcast sites. If you'd like to reach out to me with any questions or comments, you can email me at lisa at WHMP.com. Please have a wonderful week ahead. And remember, don't be ashamed of your story. It will inspire others. See you next week right here on the Hustler Files.